Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. to Team of Our Lives in the Star Trek Football Podcast that celebrates the beautiful game in the 2000s. Joining us this week, as ever, is documentary filmmaker and Portsmouth fan, Mr. Harry Hansford. How the hell are you, sir, this week? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you? Surviving, sir. Absolutely surviving. So we've just had the international break, uh, which is so apt, really, because this week it's all about international football. In particular, we're going to be talking about England's worst 11 of the Norseys. Um, are you looking forward to talking about some of the shittest players ever to get a cap for England, Harry? Oh, I certainly am. I've uh, had a little look through what uh, who who got some caps, and I must say I'm surprised by some of them. I completely forgot they'd even poured on those three lions. So that's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's 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 a bit of a bizarre one, I guess. But we'll me and Harry are going to be constructing our squad, our eleven for the worst England side possible from the noughties. So the rules are pretty simple. To qualify for selection, you must have played for England in the noughties and you must have been relatively forgotten about. 
to uh, qualify for our worst ever England 11 from the noughties. Um, but also coming up in the show is regular features such as Deal or No Deal, the transfer game. We'll be inducting two more people into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame and playing the quiz at the end, starting 11, amongst other things as well. So, but before we get into all of that and talking about some of uh, England's tenacious games during the decade, Harry, I believe he's got some Kevin Friends reunited for me. Steps past Toure, but not past Zambrotta. Given straight to Paul Scholes! What about that? What about that? I do, I do. So just to explain, it's re- just to give a quick recap, Kevin Friends Reunited is the segment in which one, one of us each week brings you players who you never knew played together. So without further ado, over to you. Okay, so first one I just... Uh... Because the uh, first one I just wanted to point out isn't technically in the noughties, but I've picked it because it's two noughties legends together. Uh, and one we've been speaking about quite a lot recently. Go for so it. it's Julio Bautista playing alongside your man Kaka at Orlando City in 2016. Really? So both of us, uh, so obviously both, you know, very tail end of their career uh, in the retirement league of the MLS, if you like. And uh, I just couldn't believe they were there together. So I thought I had to have to bring out one to you. That's amazing. I went to go, I saw um, when I was in New York, I went to watch New York Red Bulls against Orlando City. And I saw, I saw Kaka play. That was oh, in, um, in 2015. So I just missed out on the uh, dynamic duo. You did, just. <laughs> uh, talking of dynamic duos, Manchester United favourite, Rude Van Nistelrooy, and Liverpool favourite, Jersey Dudek, both played for... Real Madrid in 2007. Of course they did, yeah. Bloody hell. That's mad. Yeah. It's one of those ones that you, you know, yeah, but you just haven't quite put together. Struggled to figure uh, it out. Yeah. And then the next one I've gone to try to be a little bit apt with today's uh, topic. So I found a certain England international, Michael Ball. He'll be coming up Yeah. <laughs> played alongside. Uh, Patrick Clover in at PSV in 2006. Did he really? He did. Yeah. Patrick Clover and Michael Paul. I actually did a bit of research yeah. for Michael Paul when he, he won the um, River Daisy with uh, PSV Eindhoven. Just bizarre well, because he was, ter- he was terrible in England. But there we are. <laughs> and then another one of your favourite players, Jan Van Gogh of Hesselink. Certainly is. Played alongside. Another name you might come up again today, Nick Barnby at Hull City in 2009. Nicky Barnby. Yes, 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 yes. Good old Jan. Jan had a weird career because I'm pretty sure he played in Switzerland with like Mo Salah and like players like that. I'm pretty sure. No, that, I'm thinking of... Um, I always mix up Jan van der Hesselink and Ricky van Wolfswinkel. And, uh, <laughs> Ricky, Ricky van Wolfswinkel played with uh, Mo Salah at Basel. Oh, wow. I didn't know that yeah. one. Which is not, it's not noughties, but uh, there we are. Anyway, that was a fantastic few names there from uh, Kevin Friends. Reunite, you got one more? more Sorry. It is a good one. So, Nicholas and Elka was teammates with Darren Huckabee at Man City in 2002. Really? Yeah, Darren Huckabee. That's you, Nicholas and Elka. I've got another weird Nicholas and Elka one because he's obviously gone to some quite bizarre clubs at weird times. (laughs) Um, he was when he was at Juventus. Do you know who was uh, one of his striking partners? Are you sorry? 
uh, when he was at Juventus, do you know who Anelka's striking partner was? Oh, no. Lord Bedner. <laughs> Perfect combo, to be honest. Oh, that's, that was, I can't think of like a... You know, when it, it just that partnership is like um, Del Boy and Rodney. It's like Batman and Robin. One of you did the heavy lifting. But there we go. There we go. That's it now for uh, Friends Reunited, and that will be returning next week as ever. But let's get on to today's topic, England's worst 11 in the noughties. So why are we choosing England's worst 11 as opposed to their best? Well, I think the tale as old as time is pretty much the golden generation that we keep hearing over and over again by popular media or whenever there's an England international game like we've had over the past week. They always bring up the golden generation of players under Sven-Jorin Eriksson and, and, and the rest of them. Um, and there's constant comparisons. It doesn't help that these former England players and our pundits for BT Sports, Sky Sports, etc., and a lot of other mainstream channels and media outlets in which they keep on comparing themselves and the current team to this opposed underperforming team we had in the noughties that got to uh, World Cup quarterfinals and, and uh, quarterfinals in the Euros, etc., etc. But Harry, what, what were your memories of the Golden Generation? And are you, like me, a bit sick of hearing it nowadays? Yeah, strangely enough, as a hosts of a noughties nostalgia podcast, we're going to come across like we don't like the noughties a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's not healthy, this obsession with a generation that, okay, was, you know, had great players but didn't achieve anything. It's not healthy to uh, pretend that they were something they weren't. And as you'll see, the depth in English talent at the same time wasn't great. Um, yeah. I, I believe, you know, like anyone, at that time, we honestly thought we had one of the best teams in the world and we should have won things. But it's been gone now. Yeah, you're quite right. I think if I have my two cents on it, it was a team full of individuals and our starting eleven was probably amongst the best on the planet with the top teams. Oh, for sure. But when you look at our rotation and you look at our bench and some of these players we're going to get onto today when we we're choosing our worst eleven, our first eleven was arguably top tier. But again, it was yeah. individuals and you know for kind of the um, the Gerard Lampard dynamic that never really works and skulls and whatever else uh, I don't know I guess you've got to remember as well other teams had their golden generation at this, at this time period as well um, we, we played quite defensively and as I was alluding to just now um, we didn't have that rotation we didn't have the same calibre of players on the bench and the rest of the squad as we did on our starting 11 and those other teams did so if you think of like Brazil 2002 and the squad they had uh, Italy 2006 France 2006 uh, Germany in, the, in the 2008, Spain 2008. All those teams had generational talents as well. And for some reason, it's kind of, we kind of, I think we misremember how good our competitors were as well. Even Croatia had a pretty good squad back then, even, oh, even sure. more so now. You know? And, you know, they, they became our bitter rivals towards the late noughties. And I don't want to miscommunicate this episode as us hating England in the North because it's not the case at all. No. And, you know, we'll, we'll do episodes in the future which are tournament-specific. Um, but I just think we do misremember how games panned out. Uh, we're going to talk about this later on, but obviously the, you know, the uh, 2010 last 16 game against Germany, when Lampard's goal that went in never counted. People would say, oh, that was a turning point. Well, was it? We were already 2-0 down and we lost the game <laughs> and, we lo- and we lost the game 4-1. Even if that goal went in, I, I, yeah. Like that German team was very squad, and then they won the World Cup. 
yeah. four years later on. So um, just things like that we misremember. Um, you know, it, and then I misremembered the Brazil game in 2002. I thought we got dominated by Brazil, and I watched it back not too long ago. And we, we were dominating Brazil. We were by far the better team. Um, but obviously it was, you know, the Seaman error, and uh, it's become infamous, isn't it? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, as you say, like it's not well. Uh, when it comes to you know, some of our best memories um, of the time period, will be uh, will be about you know England and that first team in in the World Cup and in the Euros and the belief we had them then. Uh, so yeah, I think when it comes down to England, it's not. It's just that we we're going to have such great memories of of that golden generation and. We are going to have such great memories of stuff they did, but you are right. We 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 seem to look back with rose-tinted glasses, and um, we forget maybe some of the harder times and some of the harder things that team faced, and even just some of the even just some of the weird things that happened under managers like Sven and Capello and McLaren. It was just even if we had a uh, one of the best teams in the world. So there were some strange things happening off the pitch <laughs> as well with England that maybe didn't allow it to live up to our expectation. But yeah, I like think what, we'll find today we, there are some very strange things going on. Good. Well, I look forward to hearing hearing about that. But yeah, yeah you got the whole wag situation. And Sven Goran Eriksson was a good manager as well. He'd been successful in Italy. And I think he's kind of misremembered as he didn't, he wasn't, you know, he didn't really know what he was doing, which is a bit harsh, really, because nonetheless, he made, he made us, he took us to back to back quarterfinals. In the, in the Euros and the World Cup. Um, I feel a bit sorry for him in many respects, but uh, there we are. And then his kind of legacy got tarnished as he was involved in like money scandals towards the end of his mm. uh, management career, etc., etc. Um, but yes, ladies and gentlemen, in this episode, we will be detailing not only the lesser players known, but also the lesser matches known as well. So let's move on to that now and uh, these miraculous games. Of course, if you're a fan of this podcast and you listen to this podcast, you're going to know all about the most popular England games. Um, you know, we've discussed already the Brazil 2002 World Cup quarterfinal, um, the Portugal gate in the 2004 Euros and then getting knocked out to them again in 2006. 2010, the World Cup against Germany. Uh, the game against Croatia, which we didn't qualify for the Euros. That still haunts me to this day. <laughs> the squad that Steve McLaren put out. It's, it was actually because we lost 2-1 to Russia the week before, two weeks before. Um, that was the real... We made it difficult for ourselves, but again, that was that was a you know, hell of a team then as well. When you we just got, you know, we went two 0 down in like twenty minutes uh, against Croatia, and I, I just remember feeling like really fucking angry, like really annoyed. I was like, "You have one job, McLaren." Oh, dear, 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 dear. But there we are. Those are the games I guess we remember most. But Harry, have you? Did you stumble across doing your research any? Any games that maybe people don't remember or any embarrassing defeats? Yes. Uh, I've actually... It's a game that I'm sure some people do remember quite uh, well. But I wanted to point out a game uh, just because I think it's quite a significant game in the shape of England's history. And that's uh, Sven Gorn Eriksson's first game in charge of England. So it's a friendly against Spain and it's played at Villa Park in uh, February of 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's amazing is England come away winning 3-0. So you imagine the confidence you have under Sven Goran Eriksson after that first game. Um, but actually, was just what I wanted to uh, point out there was that in that game, we saw what was quite common at the time and very became very common 
under Sven Goran Eriksson in friendlies. Is that it's one of it was for play one team in the first half and play a second team in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Let's work out who I've got. Um, so because of that tactic, it this game also became Chris Powell's first game for England. It did. Uh, it was Gavin McCann's and Michael Ball's only game for England. Um, and the goal scorers are also quite amazing because it was Nick Barnby, Emil Heskey, and then I can see you're nodding along, so I might let you try and, uh, and pronounce the last yeah, player. Yeah, uh, I've, I've got this down as well. It's Hugo Ekio, um, yeah. Middlesbrough legend, and uh, he tragically he died um, last yeah, year, the year before in the car crash. Yeah, was, um, uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Again, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get. I've, I've got that match down, um, and we'll bring it back up again a bit later on, but. Um, yeah, there were some weird players that got called up in Sven's first yeah. tenure in charge. And even towards the end of Kevin Keegan's kind of era as well. Um, there were some just bizarre, bizarre call-ups. Yeah, I just thought it would be quite an interesting starting off point to see where, like, the beginning of a real, like, you know, really the beginning of England's sort of noughties hope and love uh, starts with us being Spain, yet... Uh, Somehow, <laughs> the team we you know we beat them with a team like that, I and mean, then as a decade goes on, the team we start playing and the, as we as Sven finds his starting eleven, you know we start struggling against teams like Spain. Um, yeah, so I just thought that was an interesting one to point out. Uh, Why well, I was also looking then for sort of other some other sort of strange games that had happened over the uh, course of the decade. Um, so then, I think, so then I noticed that uh, Sven Goran Eriksson took England to Gothenburg in Sweden um, in March of 2004, and I thought, okay, so this is a for Sven being a Swedish, this has got to be a big game, isn't it? You know, he's going to take this seriously and try and do it. But we actually lose one 0 to Sweden again. It's another change for team at halftime, mm. sort of practice for for Sven. Um, in that. Anthony Gardner and Alan Thompson get their only caps. So, again, it's very experimental. Uh, Southgate gets his last cap and Jermaine Defoe uh, gets his first cap. But also playing in that game is Darius Vassell. So you can oh, say it's a very strange and transitional period for uh, England. And this is three years, sort of, you know, he's after the World Cup. Mm. Uh, it's three years after he's come in. Um, I can't imagine, I can only imagine he was so embarrassed to lose 1 0. To Sweden, uh, you know, it should be a big party for him, really. Yeah. But do you know who scored for Sweden that night? Was it Ibrahimovic? It was. It was a young Zlatan yeah. Ibrahimovic. And uh, yeah, so as I say, I can only imagine that was a strange, strange situation for Sweden. Yeah, there was, there was a weird time around 2003, 2004 where we fielded a lot of experimental players. And this goes back to what I, my theory, in which we only had a good starting eleven, Our rotation and our bench and our kind of reserve players just weren't up to the same standards. In the sense of, you know, in what world does Darius Vassell get on the bench? In, in start, what world does... started that game. I know, but, um, you know, <laughs> but we had, you know, when, when Rooney came into the equation, it was always, you know, the, the team I remember was Robinson in goal, Left back was Cole, you had Terry Ferdinand, uh, right back was Neville, and then you had Gerard Lampard, Joe Cole on the left, on the right was Beckham, and then up top was Owen and Rooney. That that team, that team is kind of etched into my head as as for the team. That is the starting level. Yeah, for sure. 
the bench it was like a it could have been anyone you could have had Crouch yeah. to um, you know, it surprises me Alan Shearer didn't get more of a run out towards the end of his career, mm. considering he was still banging them in for Newcastle. But instead, we had strikers like Darius Vassell, Carlton Cole, and um, you know, and a few others that will will come on to later on as well. Yeah, it was a, still... it was just it was border, borderline desperate, and I just, and because of that, players like Defoe and Crouch, arguably Kevin Phillips, who were much more talented strikers, just didn't get the run out of England that perhaps they deserved. Particularly in Vassell's case, like he, I, 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 I saw him play for um, Aston Villa a few years, well, quite a few years ago now, and he was a weird ass player. But we'll come on to Vassell a little bit later on because I've got a theory why um, Sven Joran Eriksson stuck by him. Okay, I'll be, I'll be interested to hear that. Um, also, wanted to point out in that game, Alan Thompson making his one and only England cap. Do you know that made him the first Celtic player to ever receive an England call up? I knew he played for Celtic. Yeah. I mean, the first player, while they're playing for Celtic, to receive an England call up. Wow. I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and I do have a couple other games. One uh, I'm going to leave for now and come back to you later. But okay. uh, uh, I'm just going to move away from Sven for a little bit. So <laughs> it's another friendly. Um, and it's England versus Spain again, but this time under Steve McLaren in February of 2007. Um wanted to bring this up just because the difference here is Spain win, a nice one nil win. Um but there's a few things in this game I just I just had to bring I, you know, just caught my attention. Starting up front was Peter Crouch alongside Sean Wright Phillips. So that complete little and large Well Wright Phillips was <laughs> up front. Yeah. Christ. McLaren played Wright Phillips up front with Peter Crouch. I guess he thought to seeing those two up front with uh Confuse any defence, I suppose. This is what I don't get. This goes back to the, my striker, my striker theory as well. Like Rooney, Owen, run out of ideas. That's what that's what it was, you know. <laughs> uh, also on the pitch that day was one of your favourite players, Woodgate, uh... and making his only England cap that day was Joey Barton. What come off the back of him? Pretty much ripping into the England World Cup squad, saying none of them wanted to play for for England, and they take it, uh, you know, saying they take advantage of the opportunity. Really, so they give him an opportunity. He comes on for ten minutes, and he never plays again. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Foster gets his first call up, and Gary Neville, that was his last cap for England. Was it? Um, yeah. So I just thought it was quite an interesting game there with some interesting facts, but. I'll say I've got one more, but I want to. I'm going to come to that later. Yeah, it's all good. I've, I've got some games. So the fir- the first game of the decade was a nil nil draw with Brazil, and um, the last game in 2009 is also a game against um, Brazil as well, um, which we lost to. You know, did we last game in Brazil. I can't remember. The, I think we drew again. Actually, I can't remember either that or it was a narrow loss. Um, a few games as well of no. We lost 3-2 to Romania at one of the last games at Wembley. Um, obviously, I suppose we don't need to talk about the 5-1 victory in Munich over Germany. Um, in the, Do you remember the group stage games in, at the World Cup of 2002? Yeah, I mean, we go through them, they all come back to me clearly, but there's a few, I'm sure, I don't know. We actually, we, we drew against Sweden and we drew against Nigeria. Yeah. It's yeah. only because we beat Argentina that we managed to get through to the later stages. Um 
which is mad when you think about it. I thought we dominated the group, but obviously not. Uh, we had an embarrassing draw with Macedonia in one of the qualifying games. This is not the Macedonia of today, which is qualifying for the Euros, but a terrible, terrible Macedonian team. Uh, we the, Maybe the most embarrassing game of the decade was a 3-1 defeat to Australia. Yes. This is the game. Oh, so the game you wanted to bring up. Brilliant. And yeah. uh, who scored for England that day? Well, he joins the elite club of having one cap and scoring one goal. It's journeyman and former Arsenal player, Francis Jeffers, who yes. I think we've alluded to before, had like one good season with Birmingham City, but other than that, has done pretty much fuck all. Um, but after this game, England would win the next eight. So it would be a bit of a kick up the arse. I think Brett Emerton and uh, Harry Kuehl, Naughty's legends, uh, scored for Australia uh, in that game as well. We had a, I remember this game so vividly. We, when we, when we <laughs> lost... We lost um, when we lost 1-0 to Northern Ireland in 2005. Oh, yeah, that was... Oh, as, a, felt, as, felt, as a man with Northern Irish family, that was uh, something else. <laughs> but the squad we had out that day was like your Gerrard, your Lampard, you know, Salt Campbells, yeah. whatever else. It was a very, very strong team. But after that, we went on a 15-game unbeaten run. Um, I've kind of spoken about already us losing to Russia in 2007-2-1 and then not qualifying for the Euros because, uh, you know, Croatia beat us 3-2. Um, but then we would beat Croatia 4-1 and 5-1 in qualification for the 2010 World Cup. So I suppose we got some a little bit of revenge, but it was uh, still didn't still wasn't worth missing out on a tournament, in, in my opinion. Um, and we also lost 4-1 to Denmark with a, with a full-strength team, as in uh, your Rooney's, your Gerrards and whatever else. Um, we did have some very dodgy games that we should have won, didn't do too well. But then we also went on unbeaten runs for quite a long time. It was a very mixed decade. We were never consistent. No, and I think I think that also maybe plays into the myth a little bit because people remember these sort of unbeaten runs. They remember us doing well and the belief starting to swell. That, okay, we're going to do something here, um, and then obviously we get some get hit by some embarrassing defeat. I mean, you know, you mentioned in a few there where we were <laughs> being with with full strength teams out. I think it's fair to say that the game against Australia, at least it wasn't one of those, it was one of those uh, Sven-Gorn Eriksson experimental, yeah. uh, change the team at halftime, play a bunch of players that I've probably never even seen before. Just, And I'm not sure why he did that, really, uh, so often, but he did. Um, I also wanted to point out, obviously you spoke about Francis Jefferson uh, making, his debut, making his debut for England there, scoring a goal. Do you know who else made his uh, first cap for England on the same day? Um, I'm gonna have a guess. Is it was it his only cap or his first cap? It's his first of many. First of many, oh, I don't know. Um, Lampard, it was a fellow Evertonian striker, it was Wayne Rooney. Was it? Yeah, so they oh. both they both play that day. Oh, no, Rooney I've doesn't got... score, yeah, Jeff I've got that right now. and uh. You know, the rest is history. There's a parallel dimension where Rooney scores and his career goes nowhere. And <laughs> Jeff is... It's the most is decorated Rooney. footballer in uh, European football. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's mad. <laughs> but Jefferson, also making his one and only... Yeah, not his one and only. Also making his first cap in a one of five was uh, last week's uh, Robbie Savage Hall of Famer. James, James B. as well. James B. I think what, what doesn't help Francis Jeffers is that he's got a bit of a weird name. So, like, you know, it's yeah. kind of like, I do think uh, maybe this is a future feature um, where there's footballers who've been kind of like 
labelled as a bit clumsy because of, they've got like a bit of a bizarre name. I think Fra- <laughs> I think Francis Jeffers is up there. I think David Louise is definitely kind of like because he looks you know a bit weird. Um, yeah. I think he's kind Titus of labelled. Yeah, Titus Bramble. Exactly. I think you remember the weird like you don't remember I don't know John Smith if he was a terrible no, defender yeah. you're not going to remember him. Right? Um, no. But I'm sure there's like weird players. If you can think of any weird players and you think are kind of maybe misjudged or mislabeled. Write in uh, on Instagram or football on Twitter at Team of Our Lives and anything else you want to talk about, really, in Naughty's football. Shall we move on to some of the players and who got who yeah. we've got for our uh, maybe may make our worst ever England eleven? They may not. Yeah. Okay, I, I want to kick off with this man who I completely forgot about as a player. Um, his name is Jason Wilcox, who got called up by Kevin Keegan. Uh, he's a former Leeds winger. He only made three appearances for England, and his last of which was in a 0-0 draw with Argentina. He had a somewhat of a forgettable player. He's part of a talented Leeds squad. Um, and he did actually win the Premier League with Blackburn in 1995. Um, and he actually represented England at judo. He was a black belt in judo before he ever played for England. Um, but again, a bit of a weird call-up. If you think of all the winners we had back then, you know, you kind of Ray Park. I suppose this would be an early... T- or late 2000, you know, your rate, your rate parlors, and I don't know, pretty much Skulls is playing on the wing at this point. Yeah. Why sure. would you call up Jason Wilcox? It just seemed a bit weird. <laughs> I didn't even, uh, yeah, even with my research, I've not even got that name down here anyway. That's just take me back. I no idea he ever played for England. Exactly. I think, yeah, it's a, I think we'd be so sick. How on earth did he get an England cap? It just is unfathomable, but he's not the most unfathomable one. I suppose he did, you know, win the Premier League. So I suppose he's got more of a reason to be playing than some of the other names that will come up. Oh yeah, for sure. But don't forget, this worst eleven it can be subjective as well, um, or it could be personable. So it could just be a player me or Harry doesn't like. <laughs> I might have one like that. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Is it is it James Beatty? Just throw it out there. <laughs> no, I think I'm, I'm gonna. Li- uh, get away from James B. He might be a really nice man, you know. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, go on, then. Who else have you got? Who have you, what kind of names popped up? Yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, sort of players that just a bit strange of it, they got caught up. Um, <laughs> I think we should maybe have that chat then about Michael Ball. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as what? Because. I remember there was a lot of talk before he ever got called up of, oh, there's this young English guy who's a, who used to play in Holland and he's now in Scotland and he actually looks quite good. Why is he not getting called up? And then he did get called up and then we realised, oh, he's not that great. But no one told Man City, so they went and signed him. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I just, he was, he was never, he probably was a player that when he was younger looked good and, then he made, you know, probably made the right choices at going to some teams abroad, make himself look a bit better than he really was. Um, going to Scotland, yeah. getting to play in the Scottish leagues. And then, uh, yeah, I don't think he was ever quite the player some people hoped he would be. Then he retired to have a successful musical career. <laughs> that's it, that's it, that's it. It's not the same, Michael Ball. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, if it was. 
<laughs> That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I remember Michael Ball was a very scrappy player, and obviously as a Manchester United fan, I do remember him as a very kind of tough. He was a bit like kind of like a Jerry Barton left back, I guess. Mm. Um, he was a bit. Oh, he's scrappy. most famous for, for standing on Ronaldo's stomach, isn't he? Yeah, twat. So. <laughs> oh dear, but also as we alluded to earlier, so his debut was in that game against Spain, um, along with Hugo Ekio, Gavin McCann, and Chris Powell. Chris Powell is a legend, obviously, at, at Charlton. He took charge of them uh, before Lee Bowyer, who will also make an appearance in this list. Um, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chris Powell, was, I don't, I, I, I struggle why he ever got called up again. I don't, I'm, he was never brilliant. We had like Terry, Ferdinand, you know, what other defenders? Loads, Upson was a better defender. We had loads of other kind of potentials, but Chris Powell? Really? Mm-hmm. Wes Brown, we had, you know, Jackie Elka, Micah Richards, Chris Powell. I don't know. And, <laughs> and the same with uh, Gavin McCann as well. Um, he's most known for getting relegated like a million times to Sunderland. And so I don't really know how he got a call yeah. up. I and think I, Chris Powell might have been Charlton were playing so well at the time. Yeah, true. It might have just been on the back of Charlton's success. They thought maybe... He was more to do it with it. And with Hugo, yeah, with team. Hugo Ekio as well. I do like him. Like he was a very good player from Middlesbrough. He was a cult hero, and he is he is, yeah. is a legend and whatever else. But I don't think he was up to the same standards as you know, your Ferdinand, your Terry's, your no, Ashley yeah. Coles, and Phil Neville's. And you know, he wasn't that he level. I think for a mediocre club, like he'd do very well. But for England, he just it was yeah. never going to work. Well, where it was Sven's first game in charge, do you think uh, he was just given a list of English names and he was just like, picks it a bunch of them? I was like, yeah, we'll try him. We'll try him. Uh, maybe. <laughs> it does, on paper, it looks that way, doesn't it? Gavin McCann. <laughs> yeah, so he looks good. Gavin, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I just don't... I don't know how Gavin McCann got a cap. you got, you got Gerard Lampard, Skulls, Carrick... Gavin McCann, like yeah. I just, uh, some, just of them you can, re- some of them you can understand. Like, I think he was just trying to fill the void. As, yeah, it's uh, just to, to um for that twenty-three man squad. As I said, first eleven spectacular, rotationary is Gavin McCann. Like, come on, like <laughs> what's that about? And no offense to Gavin McCann, he's obviously a, you know had a pretty decent career, but not England level. Not England level. Come on. Um, I've got a weird one. Um, our first goalkeeper, Richard Wright. Oh, yes. I don't know if you remember him or managed to get it down. But he basically, he's actually a goalkeeping coach in Manchester City now. He made two appearances for England and uh, had a career mainly on the bench, having stints with Arsenal, West Ham, Southampton, and hung up his gloves with Manchester City in 2016, though he never made wow. an appearance for them. He never actually played for them. Um, he does actually have an FA Cup and Premier League winners medal for his one season. He had a bit about Arsenal, but he only made 12 appearances because um, David Seaman was injured. But he kind of, again, floated around a bit of a journeyman, but it, he's even worse than a journeyman because he wasn't a journeyman playing <laughs> first team football. He was a journeyman on the bench. He was bench. He's a yeah. bench hopper, uh, he, a serial bench hopper. And if you think about the standards to get in the England squad today, you think you know, Pickford's, Pickford's number one for Everton, you've got Nick Pope's number one for Burnley, um, else? Dean, oh, maybe Dean Henderson's probably not a good example, but um, you know, they're all pretty much number one for the clubs. 
how Richard yeah. Wright ever got ahead of Seaman, David James, Paul Robinson. I don't know. Yeah. Whoever no, else. It's a bit weird. It's weird. I always find it strange that there's some goalkeepers who just quite happy to be number two the whole career because you'd think you'd want you'd, you know you're, you're a professional footballer you'd want to be playing football but there are a few goalkeepers like that that have managed to make a career out of being number two like this, and, has, a, uh, this has a future episode written all over it yeah yeah but I always find it a bit weird and maybe he's just one of the early entrepreneurs of that and maybe maybe again they thought he was you know oh, he will become a good player, so let's get him some caps now. Maybe that was the idea. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I find it odd how he stayed at Man City for like eight years and mm. didn't play for them. Steve Steve Harper was another one, the Newcastle goalie. He was there for like twenty years and made like eight appearances or something. So it was a bit weird. He was like he was there before Shea Given. It was mad. Um, who else forgot? Another midfielder is, uh, and I didn't even know who this player was. Seth, Seth Johnson got a cap. Uh, yeah, he played he played with Robbie Savage at Crew, uh, and he was most famous for playing with Leeds and with Derby County. And he was playing with Derby County when he got called up uh, for his one and only cap again from Kevin Keegan. He only made 275 senior appearances as a player, yeah. let alone getting an England call up. So if you think the average, I don't know, the average kind of full time professional in the Premier League will make 500 appearances over their career, maybe, maybe at push 400. But he made he made less than half that, and he got called yeah, up when he was playing for Derby County. Yeah, I believe he made quite a big money move to Leeds, and it was expected to be a big thing. And, and, and he got injured, and that you know never was quite the same. Mm. Um, so I do think maybe you know in an alternate universe somewhere he's not that crazy of a call up. But even so, I, you could, I don't know. It's not like he he, he only got that one. England cap, you know, he did. If he had a few more, maybe even we could discuss whether he was the injury had impacted that. But I don't I know, know if he would have ever. I don't know if this was in the period of time just before Lampard and Gerald were getting their pomp, but he still had like Skulls, Tony Adams, yeah, you know, you had people he, playing a similar role who were he was never going to be on the first team. No, I think he was playing what left mid for him in that one game, yeah, so maybe it was just the lack of. Maybe, you know, the inju- injuries and stuff like that. Fair play. Who, who else has made your list? Yeah, so uh, I've just... Oh, wow. I've got a couple of uh, England strikers that surprise, might surprise a few people. Obviously, we, we mentioned earlier that uh, Jeffers is in that club of one cap and one goal. Also, yeah. there is David Nugent. Scores a wonderful goal pass for the almighty Andorra by tapping in a shot that was already going in. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then I've oh. also got. Do you remember Dean Ashton? He also got a, oh, a singular yeah. cap for England. Um, again, well, I think his career was un- unfortunately cut short due to injuries. I would, so. I'd argue that Dean Ashton was a good, good enough to get into England squad. Well, he reminds me of what Danny Ings is today. You know, mm. maybe not good enough for like the first eleven, but certainly good enough for the bench. And I think he could have. Done, he was, he was different to the other strikers we had. Yeah, and at West Ham, he scored he scored a bunch of goals, man. He was a prolific goal scorer. I just, I, yeah, I think injury really, cause I think it cut his career short. 100% yeah, for club. Retired at anyway, 26. So, so. Yeah, so, you know, maybe again, he would have been someone a bit like, uh, you know, being someone that might have, if your Rooney was out and uh, Crouch was out, like might have got another call up or so, you know, you know if, if 
you know, to sit on a bench when Crouch is playing up front with Sean Phillips, Dean Ashton might have got a bench uh, and then come on. I imagine he was he could have been that sort of player for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned David Nugent as well because along with Francis Jeffers, as we said earlier, he has the record of one cap, one goal. But it was a goal stolen from Jermaine Defoe, as you alluded to earlier. Um, and he was also playing in the Championship when he was called up yes. for Preston North End. So he was one of the few players to get called up from the Championship, and which is, again, it's striking kind of... We, that, we're, we're so weird with strikers, as we'll keep coming on to a bit later on as well. Um, and I think he had to short his career of any England player because he only played for like seven minutes or something. Mm. Um, I think he's still got that record to this day. Oh, amazing. I um, <laughs> I don't know how much... Uh, but basically, I don't know if you know that when he was at Portsmouth, he... Uh, he met his wife in Portsmouth, so uh, I've I've got on good authority through somebody that been to his house in Liverpool. Um, but he has a, uh, a photo, like framed photo of him tapping that in up in his house. Nice. He's that proud nice. of it. I mean, oh, you probably would, though, wouldn't you? You know, you scored for England. I don't know if I if I stole a goal from Jermaine Defoe <laughs> and it was my only international <laughs> appearance, would I put it in a frame? Apparently, when they were both at Portsmouth, they didn't get on very well either because of well, this might from that. this might add to the character. This might be a good character reference for um, David Nugent. Do you know he 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 was best man to? Is it? Oh, is it uh, Vardy? Yeah, Jamie Vardy. Yeah, because yeah, so played together at Leicester for a few years. He certainly did. He wasn't good enough yeah. to get on that Leicester team, let alone the England squad. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it wasn't good enough for Portsmouth's lesson. Genuinely no, true. I, again, he's one of those players that when he was here, I actually quite liked his work ethic. He, he never, he always tried. I think he came to us in a, in a league of Bath on a, with a seven million pound price tag. I felt bad for you know he was never going to quite live up to that. It was a last Harry Redknapp last minute signing special. I don't think it was ever going to quite work out for him. Yeah, he's certainly he's part of the club for, of strikers that does stupendously well in the championship and doesn't yeah. fit in in the Premier League like you know a few other players kind of fit that group as well I guess um, yeah, I want to pick sure. a striker now maybe a controversial pick as well because he was having a pretty decent spell at Leeds when he got called up it's Alan Smith yeah he got, his, he got given his debut against Mexico and he got 19 caps and he only scored once. This is before he broke his leg and had that horrific injury as well. So we've kind of alluded to already, like I think people misremember Alan Smith's career. That injury really did fuck him up. As we said before, he made 94 appearances for Newcastle in the league, didn't score a single goal uh, playing as a striker. So if you think Joel Linton's bad now, you know, (laughs) don't count any chickens. Um, I can see why he got called up, to be fair. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm not sure why he played so many games. Yeah, I think I think as we uh, last week we were talking about the um, League Cup and how the respect for United players obviously had for him to wear the shirt. Yeah, saying you know this is for you, Smudge. I think again you probably have so much respect for him and everyone knew the talent, the potential he had, and and because of that leg break, I think he probably got chances to you know to try and get back to where he once was, even though everyone probably deep down knew that wasn't going to happen. 
Very much so. Very much so as well. Um, another another striker is uh, Michael Ricketts, who made his only appearance against Netherlands. Who, as a striker, you think about like strikers, even even like mid table strikers, you'd probably score over 100, 150 career goals. He only got seventy eight over like five hundred games, uh, mostly of which for Bolton Wanderers um, under Big Sam, um, and again. If you yeah, he was averaging like less than ten goals a season. Why would you call that up for England? It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and this goes back to what I was saying. Like if you've got your Owens and your Rooney's, and you know I think Sheringham and uh, Shearer were still in the mix at this point. Yeah. Why would you go to that kind of? Why would you go to Bolton Wanderers and pick up Ricketts when you've got so many other potential I think, players out there? I think with Ricketts, it comes down to he scored so many goals in the cha- in the championship to get Bolton up, and then. In his first season in the Premier League, he scored a few goals and one past Man United, and I think they beat Man United. So I think there was just hype at the time. But, he, he got, you hype. think he, he got called up on the occasion rather than his actual ability? Yeah, yeah I think it was just there probably was a lot of hype at the time in, in the uh, media. But you know, here's this guy that English young English lad that scored so many goals in his debut Premier League season. He even scored past Manchester United. You know, I just think like it probably felt like, oh, we have to call him up. Mm. Um, and then, you know, he never quite did anything Pretty else much. ever again. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what he did do. He was arrested for punching and headbutting his ex-girlfriend. So um, he, <laughs> he makes the... Uh, he might be ruining a segment later on. Yeah, yeah he's, he, you know, he's making the uh, Marlon King Academy for Degenerates. <laughs> that's a new feature. Oh, the Marlon King Academy. Yeah. There we go, fair enough. Uh, anyone else? <laughs> Um, while we're here I suppose uh, we can go through a multitude of goalkeepers but pr- probably like Scott Carson is one that gives me nightmares uh, made four four appearances uh, throughout his career for England um, I don't know if you remember that Zap Knight made two appearances for England yeah I've got him down I actually liked him as a kind of a bit of a cult hero and he was a rock at the back for like Fulham and Villa, I guess. Yeah. He made, just, he made two appearances, but he was a solid defender, but I don't think he was England criteria, was he? No, it was just, again, he's one of those players where, where just wasn't good enough for the national side. Good good player, just not. Yeah, so he, he made his debut on the same day as the player I've got down, Luke Young, who Charlton and Tottenham fans will probably remember quite fondly. But again, he wasn't quite good enough for England's material. He made eight appearances. Uh, for the national side, all in all. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very unsure as to why, the, you know, as a left back as well, we had Ashley Cole, we had Leighton yeah. Baines, why Luke, why Luke Young kept on getting in, in the mix. No idea, really. Phil Neville was in around that kind of time as well. Um, I want to quickly talk about Darius Vassell because I'm sure he'll make yeah. maybe one or two of our, he might make both of our worst ever 11s squad in the final. But he had a worse strike record than Michael Ricketts in terms of his career. He achieved 77 goals, mostly for Aston Villa. Yet he still made not one, not two, not three, but 22 (laughs) international appearances and also made the 2002 World Cup squad and the 2004 European Championship squad. Um, He made his debut actually in the same match as Wayne Bridge and, and Michael Ricketts against the Netherlands. And... This is my theory as to why Sven and Eriksson stuck by the cell for so many games. So we were 1-0 down against Netherlands. 
Who scored the equaliser? Vassell. Darius Vassell. Do you know how he scored it? How did he score it? It was an overhead bicycle kick. Okay. <laughs> and it was so like out of character for Darius Vassell to do that that it kind of saved the skin of the England team, managing to salvage a point. And he only scored six six goals for England out of twenty two games. But those game those games would always come in like crucial moments, like it would be to draw the match in like the last minute of the game or oh, okay. a last minute winner. Um, I think he scored two goals against Sweden in like a three two win to qualify for the Euros or something. Um, he'd always score these, although he only scored six, he would score them in important times. And I think he, Sven remembered that overhead kick. Is like, well, if he can do that, and trust me, that's the only time he'd done anything that magical ever. If he can do that, he might be like the surprise package we need on the bench. And that's why he he made those tournaments. You think he was brought along as Sen's lucky charm? Yeah, I think he was um, (laughs) pretty much the uh, uh, Darius for sale. I like his name. He sounds like a, what's it called? Like a gladiator. (laughs) Darius Maximus (laughs) Vesalius. That might... Might be another reason why he got 22 call ups. Like, oh, it's that cool name factor again, isn't it? So, Darius oh, yes. Vassell. Sounds Darius. better than Jeffers. Mm. <laughs> Francis Jeffers. Sounds like he should be selling like ice cream. Yeah. There we go. Oh, dear. Go on, then. Who I else? Think, all right. So, this one, I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch of imagination, but doing research, this name comes up time and time again for people. And I just want to clear up that. He was a great striker, and that's Heskey. He made 63 appearances for the uh, England side, but so many people will tell you that he wasn't, you know, good enough. And yeah, maybe when you compare him to your Rooney's and Owens, for sure he's not that sort of player. But he's a con- he was always quite consistent, and he offered something different as well. He was a different, uh, just yeah, different presence, you know. Well, he held the ball up well. This is, as we're saying, you've only got your two main strikers in like Rooney and Owen, let's say. And as we were phasing out Alan Shearer and like Teddy Sheringham and players like that, Heskey came in. Obviously, he scored a goal in the famous 5 1 um, battering of, uh, of Germany in Munich. What Heskey done as well, and I think he's in his career, he's still got like close to 200 goals as well. So, you know, he's pretty much bang on average for um, his goal tally, certainly compared to like the Selwyn Ricketts. He held the ball up well. He was good in the air. He was strong. He was probably a lot quicker than people give him credit for. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, and he played all the way up until he played in 2010 as well, didn't he? So he's like he, like, he was never going to be the first name on the team sheet. Although for a while it was him and Owen up front uh, mm. before Rooney came into the equation. Um, but yeah, he was never going to be the first name on the team sheet. But he was a utility player. By the same argument, you could argue that Peter Crouch was just as useless at times yeah. um, and scored just as many goals, you know, so, you know, that's, yeah, that's, think, my, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I think Heskey also offers you things like if a, if it's a tight game and you want to hold on to the one or two goals you've got, you can chuck Heskey up and get him to hold a ball. Yeah. Or if it's Long. a game where you're trying to get a quick goal, you can chuck him up and try and put long balls in or corners in 
to try and hit him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you want a big Sam long ball. Yeah, but he gave you options to if 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 Sven Gorn Eriksson's style wasn't working, yeah. chuck Heskey on and oof it. Yeah, completely switch the tactics. You've got yeah. that player who can do that. And uh yeah, like, good like say Crouch sort of became maybe a slightly more uh likable version of Heskey in the later decades. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I want to give a quick mention to Lee Bowyer. Uh maybe his yep. only cap, maybe his only appearance against Portugal. Uh on the same day as the debutants of Jonathan Woodgate and David Dunn. Um, oh. Jonathan Woodgate, I think, was probably the best of those three. Was he good yeah. enough for England? Potentially. I think he was he was maybe potential for like the reserve squad, but probably he was never going to get into the main team. I, I think on his day, he was he, he was he was he was a solid defender. He was he wasn't great, yeah. he wasn't terrible. Lee Bowyer, again, as a midfielder, wasn't great, wasn't terrible, was remarkably average. And the same with David Dunn, really. But David Dunn's, like, most famous for an attempting a Rabona and falling over the ball. So, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I, I still, I'm, I'm a bit, again, this is in the same era as yeah, Lampard, Scholes. Yeah, Lampard, Scholes. Lampard, Scholes, Gerrard, David Dunn doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, James Beattie, I think, You've kind of mentioned already the uh, Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. I think it's worth mentioning he got five appearances for England, all of which in 2003. And he was kind of a bit unfortunate because he partnered up with Darius Fussell and Michael Ricketts up, up top in these experimental games you were talking about. Yeah. Should he have ever got a call? I think maybe he deserved one cap, but one or two caps. But I, um, again, I, I suppose if you're, yeah, if, you're, if you're calling up Vassell, I suppose... If I was James Beattie, I'd be pretty pissed off that I wasn't getting a call. Um, but yeah, a bit weird. I've got Alan Thompson down as well, just because I don't really know a lot about him. He made his debut in the one lost to Sweden you were talking about earlier, along with uh, Anthony Gardner. Was he good enough to get a call up? I don't think so. Not in that midfield we had. Um, you know, we did have, I suppose it was around the same time. Was it early 2000s around that time, wasn't it? So we, yeah, we had an emerging Gerard and Lampard uh who else do we have? Skulls. Uh, Jamie Redknapp is probably still there. Stephen Malman. I suppose because you're doing it at uh, the highest level in Scottish football, you have to be within the argument. But, you know, should you call them up? Um, but obviously, on this occasion, I don't think it was necessarily the right <laughs> decision to, to call them up. Yeah, no, I don't. I can, I see, don't. I can see the temptation behind it. Absolutely. Have you got any other goalkeepers in mind? Um, I mean, we've got a one cap, uh, wonder in Chris Kirkland. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's you, you, you know, you could sit here and say, "Oh, Paul Robinson," but at the time, he was your solid number two, and at times even number one. You know, so we had to deal with what we had. <laughs> yeah. So he, Chris Kirkland was playing uh, at Liverpool at the time. I think um, he was on the bench. Yeah. He was the second uh, behind Dudek. Uh, his only cap was a 4-0 win over Greece. And Chris Kirkland, he was a solid keeper, but I think um, I read an interview where he was like battling with depression like towards the end of his career, so he kind of went off at a, at a, a bit of a... You know, his form dipped. 
Um, but he, I thought, I remember quite liking Chris Kirkland. I thought he was part of that Wigan athletic side that had yeah. a good team, was very solid, and um, I think he definitely deserved the call up. Will he be remembered as the best goalkeeper in the Premier League? No. Um, was he one of the worst England keepers to get called up? He's in the argument, you know, probably. But the goalkeeper I want to talk about was Ian Walker, um, who Tottenham fans, Leicester City fans may remember as a 90s legend. And he was a great goalkeeper. I'm not denying that. But because this is purely 90s, noughties football, sorry, this is going to get a bit weird. So he was an infamous and he was a pretty good goalkeeper for Spurs and Leicester. He got his international debut in 1996. He made two more appearances between 96 and 1997. He then got his fourth in his last cap seven years later in 2004 at the age of 33. So there was a seven-year hiatus between his like first year of like three games and then getting another cap in 2004. What? What happened? Who, how many goalkeepers were injured? Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, because he would probably like he was a good goalkeeper, but he was never in the packing order. Pa- uh, packing order um, for England, really. It was always it was always Seaman and like David James, I guess. Um, Ian Walker, I think, went to the '98 World Cup, did he? I think he might have, maybe, but he never played. So yeah, there was a seven-year gap there, and that's why I wanted to give him a mention. I think as a keeper. He was a good keeper, but not in 2004. I always felt uh, Walker at Leicester was more about uh, their relationship with the Crisp company and uh, signing in the player called Walker than it was actually yeah. his ability. Yeah, I just find it like <laughs> the, the, the Walker in 1998 was not the same Walker in 2004, so why is Sven called him up? Yeah. I find it a bit bizarre considering like, we had, you know, some Sven, all right keepers. I think Sven just uh, loved giving out caps as well. I think like he liked calling people in and being like calling them up and being, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you up to the squad. I think he liked it. He gave so he, many caps out. He wanted to, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wanted to uh, create like an inner circle, didn't he? As it was, um, you mentioned him earlier. I just wanted to mention Jerry Barn again. So he made his, as you said earlier, he made his only cap in a one-nil defeat to Spain, and it could, could be argued. I don't know what you think of his career, but I think he, he was semi-successful. He was certainly a character, a bit of a tenacious player, master of shithousery. He could have been used as a decent utility player for England, perhaps, but again, a lot of competition. Um, I don't think he was ever really worthy of getting called up, but he'd done a job for Man City and he'd done a job for Newcastle and QPR in his playing days. A bit weird, but did you know his brother Michael is uh, currently spending life in prison for a racially motivated murder? Well, I, I did not. So he makes the uh, Marlon King Academy of Degenerates. Um, and I found this, uh, a couple more Jerry Barton facts. Um, do you know, <laughs> he uh, he owns a racehorse, but do you know which other footballer he owns a racehorse with? No idea. You wouldn't, you wouldn't if I offered you a million pounds and you had a hundred guesses, you would never guess his name. All right. Claudio Pizarro. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they never played together. It's got to be through just some sort of hedge fund has managed to, to con both of them into giving so much towards it. <laughs> it does sound like very suspicious, like it's involving the mafia and like <laughs> m- money laundering or something. In what on what planet does Claudio Pizarro, who's won pretty much every, he won the fucking league title with Wolfsburg and Werder Bremen, 
Bayern Munich and he's a Peruvian legend. Um, in what world he goes to QPR and sees Jerry Bayern and says, do you want to, I don't know. Do you want to buy a horse? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good horse. It's a race. It's a, it's a great horse. Come have a look at him. He's around the corner. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> gets pushed in the back of a van. Come on, Jerry. Yeah. That's how Jerry ended up in France. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, and then, in, in sad circumstances, again, uh, Jerry Barton was banned from football for 18 months and ultimately re- had to retire because of uh, he was gambling while still playing. With Burnley, um, he, I don't know if he was betting. Do you reckon he was betting on, on Burnley to lose, and then he was like purposely putting in a shit performance? Maybe. It's I, know, boring. I, I remember when the uh, uh, Matt Tizier gambling uh, sort of controversy happened after he bought his book out, and he was saying, "Oh, a bunch of players used to bet on um, throw-ins and would knock it out on purpose." Yeah. But he sort of said, oh, that's not, you know, wasn't really the case or whatever now. But uh, always sort of like surprised me that, you know, most of them could even keep up with how many throw-ins had been. <laughs> oh, got yeah. out. Um, but yeah, like God knows what, what Jerry Barton was betting on. Maybe he was betting on how many yellow cards he would get. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Him and Robbie Savage. Yeah. <laughs> Record breakers. Um, yeah, I've only got two more players. Did you have you got anyone else you had in mind? Um, I think we've I've got uh a few, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring them up through the next for the ultimate oh. 11. Yeah, no worries. Uh, the last two I wanted to kind of note was Reading left back Nicky Shorey made two oh, appearances, and for some reason, his first appearance was in a one all draw against Brazil, which I found a bit weird. Who do you want you want to play your best team against Brazil? Nicky Shorey, not actually got a left back, we'll put Nicky Shorey on. I found that bizarre. Um, he was a consistent player for Reading, but he spent much of his later career floating around the football leagues. He yeah. was never, was he ever good enough to get the call? I think he was a solid, you know, if, if he was in your fancy team, he'd be on the bench because he was cheap yeah. and he was solid, but he wouldn't, I don't know. No, I think Reading had that amazing first season and made, made certain couple of them, Shorey, Sidwell, look probably better than he yeah. truly Le- were. Leroy Lita, remember him? He's still playing. Is he? In some sort of bizarre league somewhere, yeah. He, he's another one with a cool name, but didn't live up to the hype. Yeah, for sure. Um, and my last player is Carlton Cole, um, who again, he started appearing as a pundit on popular shows on the BBC, BT Sports, Sky Sports. And I think he fits into the Robbie Savage parallelogram of he wasn't that good and this, like, I think he's misremembered when he's talking about his, like, his striking techniques when he's on, like, match of the day. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? You you weren't, you were rubbish. Like, what are you yeah. giving me? Like, he made his England debut in a 2-0 defeat to Spain. Uh, Fabio Capello called him up after an impressive spell in the championship with West Ham and had a good run of games. I think with West Ham, he is still a bit of a legend and he was kind of a good reason why they got promoted back into the Premier League yeah. and he had a good first season with West Ham but still not scoring more than 14 goals in the season um, and I think he's got a pretty terrible record I think he scored like 80 goals in his career and I think yeah. to be considered a top level striker I think um, you've got to get to the 150 mark same yeah, as Andy, same as uh, Andy Johnson as well obviously he's a legend at Palace 
who obviously in his first season in the Premier League of Palace scored 22 goals. But other than that, he didn't really score a lot. I think people remember him as scoring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of goals. I think he got like 149 in his career, yeah. which is still, still good, but still double Michael Ricketts and Darius Vassell, but it's not it's probably as good as, as good as we remember him. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Shall we, shall we move on to our naming our worst England eleven from the Northeast? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I've gone for a 4-3-3. Okay. And I believe this is the worst players to play for England in the Northeast. <laughs> in goal, I've gone for the aforementioned Richard Wright. Got to be honest with you, didn't really know a lot about him until I researched him. Therefore, makes a team. Uh, left back, Nicky Shorey. Just don't really understand why a Reading player was ever in the mix for England. Um, I've gone for Zach Knight and Chris Powers, the centre-backs. As we've discussed, they were kind of always playing for lower-level Premier League teams. And they were solid for them. But it's like putting a Barcelona player with a League Two player. It just It's never going to work. Uh, top flight of England. Michael Ball on the other fullback position. Uh, I'm going to put him at right back, um, as we've discussed already. The three in midfield, I've gone for Jason Wilcox, Seth Johnson, and Gavin McCann. Just because if I put those, if I read those names out in public, oh, I don't think anyone would go. Oh, I remember those three. They were footballers. <laughs> let, let alone playing for England. Um, <laughs> and then the three up top. Michael Ricketts, Carlton Cole, and David Nugent. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I know he got one pretty, goal in one pretty game. Awful side. But he was terrible. He was he was pretty not awful good. Side. It's yeah. making me sick. It's making me sick that those players play for England, let alone imagine them in a the team. We need to get someone who's really good at football manager who can kind of put that team into a simulator. And then I'm like, kind of like, it's yeah, well, yeah, exactly. They'd come out winning it. It's football manager. Somehow they'd win the World right. Cup. You reckon? But like Sven, that's what you needed to do. If you're listening to this and you're any good at football manager, please get in touch. I want to recreate that team and put it against Harry's <laughs> team. He's going to go through now. All right. So I've actually gone slightly different. I've gone, I tried, I didn't want to just go with a bunch, like most of them do only have like one cap, but I didn't want to go for just everyone for one cap. So I've tried to make what I think is the best worst team. <laughs> so I've gone with Scott Carson in goal with four caps. Uh, I've put Zach Knight in in the uh, centre, and the next one's going to be so controversial, right? <laughs> because technically he is one of the best centre backs that probably played in this time period, but he just was never never had a good enough run. So I've gone for Ledley King. Oh he no! Twenty one appearances. No, you can't put but, him in the worst England eleven. I, well, hear me out. The reason I'm doing that is, for most of his most of that, he made one or two a year, and then that was it. He couldn't do it anymore. I think for the most he made in one year was like nine appearances. He was never a consistent England starter. For that, he's he's a bit of an England flop, isn't he? But he was injured. Like he was injury prone to shit. I think like yeah, he, he, he was. Put this way, <laughs> he'd make it on the plane. Yeah. So well, how, he can't make it on the plane and make your squad. You can't do I just both. Feel like, I just feel like he's just not. 
He's disappointed. He's disappointing, though, right? Like he should have been a consistent centre back. Yeah, but from 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 no fault of his own, he was injured. <laughs> it's not my fault that Sven kept on choosing an injured deadly game. It's not just Sven. Uh, Fabio Capello did as well. Exactly. That proves my point even more. If Sven and Fabio yeah. both picked him, why are you? Why are you <laughs> picking him? <laughs> I just feel like he, it's just it's just disappointment, isn't it? Man, it's only going to get worse from here, I promise. <laughs> oh, I'm not having that. No, no. Let, all right. We, we, can cut, we can circle back and we can put... Might as well have Messi, Messi, your Messi in your team as well. We're going to put one of these, uh, you know, one caps in for Leslie King then. Um, so you better be captain. For, <laughs> for sure he is. You can't, he's not even going to play 90 minutes. What's the matter? Well, um, it's true to that, but... That left back, we got Paul Konchesky making two appearances. Uh, and then right back again, this might be a little bit controversial, but it's mainly because at the time, like, why were we playing him? Like, I know why, because Gary Neville was injured. But making 19 appearances was Danny Mills. I think a really solid player, but England, I don't know. I toyed with putting Danny Mills in, um, but he'd done really well at the 2002 World Cup. Yeah. So I, I kind of didn't think he was worth mentioning. Again, I don't think he maybe should have got the appearances he did, but filled a void. So I thought he'd done a right job, to be fair. I don't yeah. know if he can make... He can't... <sighs> I, mean, I did say he's just the know. best worst eleven. <laughs> okay. But when I when I read out my worst England eleven, I've got Chris Powell and he's got Ledley King, like one of the... Best defenders in the Premier League, but was unfortunate. Yeah, to get no, into. It's just, it's just unfortunate. I just think, for no fault of his own, he's just a complete England right. flop as all. So in the, in the anyway, last two weeks, in the, well, uh, in the last two weeks, <laughs> you've you've pissed off Southampton fans, and now you're going to piss off Tottenham well, fans. Yeah, well, I like Ledley King. <laughs> it's an honour for him to be in here. We need to, ta- to we need to him, we need to make really? this a highlight. We need to make this a highlight and tag him in it. <laughs> um, so then for right midfield I've gone David Bentley making seven appearances like you know it, it, he's one of those players that career should have you thought was going to be something and just you know wasn't he gave um, up on football didn't he yeah making up the set in the centre of uh, centre midfield partnership is Alan Thompson and Joey Barton one one cap each uh, and then I was, you know, I did think about putting Seth Johnson in and, and left. And I was, again, I was like, I don't want to keep putting so many one caps in. So I've gone for a player that, again, might be very controversial of oh a left mid. Um, and that's because I think he, I thought every time he played for England, he looked absolutely awful. And that's Stuart Downing. You idiot. I thought he looked absolutely <sighs> terrible. Like, he's not as terrible as like Thompson and. Fighting at night. What are you doing? You're killing me. But I don't know. I just thought I thought we'd all have the same players if I kept p- picking one. Cat yeah, players. yeah, but that's not a reason to put Stuart Downing, Leslie King. <laughs> Stuart Downing's quality. But he's again. This is the best worst eleven. This is a team I've put together that could possibly win a game. You know. <laughs> well, uh, this way, okay, if you put my team on... against your, your team in a simulator. Your team's going to dick me because you've got Ludley King and Stuart Downing in the team. Stuart Downing. <laughs> we can fucking... talk it. We can put Seth, 
put Seth Johnson in left. He, he's on my paper. I might remember this wrong, but Stuart Downing was a like-for-like replacement. He was like a B-Tech Beckham. Beckham would come oh, off. See, okay. Beckham would come off. Downing would come on. Stuart yeah. could uh, whip it across. He had a good throw kick. That's why I hated him because he, he was he was he was B team. He was B team material for England. Should yeah, have got yeah, just... Does he get on the plane? That's why I, didn't... I don't know. Does he get That's the plane? Right. Like... Who else gets on the plane then? If not Stuart Downing, you need you need a <laughs> you need a winger on your bench. Who else gets in? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> All right, Downing's out, mate. Johnson's back in the start. Yeah, Seth Johnson, Seth Johnson, Seth Johnson. Seth Johnson. Seth Johnson. He, he is yeah, rubbish. Best, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> All right, and up front, I've gone with what can only be considered the most dynamic of duos, and that is Francis Jeffers and David Nugent. I was so close to putting James Beatty in, and I was like, I can't for, do for, that. For a second, I thought you were going to say the dynamic duo, Sean Ryan Phillips and Peter Crouch. <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> that would have been the best worst to live in. Uh, um, okay. All right, so all right, let's take Ledley King out here. I'm being a bit mean. Who are we going to put in? Send it back. Let's have a look. It's got to be Chris Powell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We put Chris Powell in there. Come on. I mean, <laughs> All right. So, Ledley King's out. Chris Powell's in. Yeah. And Johnson's in for Downing. You've got so, to think. You... So, the only, the only player that got more than... For my highest Cats players are Dave Bentley with seven and Danny Mills with 19. But I think for Mills, it's a bit unfortunate. It's just... He just didn't look as good as Gary Neville. <laughs> That's basically it, isn't it? Interestingly, we none of us put Darius for selling. Yeah, I think I mean, when I when I came twenty two caps, you have to sort of expect it. Well, I was kind of like, <laughs> if anyone scores an overhead kick against the Netherlands, that's good enough to stay out of the worst eleven. So I I I, I turned into Sven. I was like, he done that one good thing. I'm gonna keep him. I'm gonna keep him. Vassal made more appearances than Ledley King. Yeah, but Vassell wasn't injured. He was just shit. <laughs> no, I do feel bad. I really feel bad for the leaking. It's just like every year it's like, oh, it's one cap. Oh, here's another two. And he could never really get... Like, one year he had nine, but every other year it's just like one or two. Yeah, because for first, it was always like the first... He was always behind Saul Campbell, uh, Terry and Ferdinand. Yeah, but if he was... Bobson. And if he was fit, if he was fit though, if he, if he didn't have these chronic knee problems, he could have probably got you know four four five times that amount of caps more than likely more than likely he was just you know he's part of the same generation as a few defenders better than him but I think he was you know a good bench player excellent stuff um so one more time let's go through the teams for the worst England 11 uh for me in goal is Richard Wright the back four are Nicky Shorey Zach Knight Chris Powell and Michael Ball the free midfields are Jason Wilcox Seth Johnson, Gavin McCann, and the three up top, Carlton Cole, David Nugent, and Michael Ricketts. Harry Hansford, run us through your team one more time. Yeah, so I went for a 4 4 2 with uh, Scott Carson in goal, Danny Mills, Zach Knight, Chris Powell, and Borkanchewski making the back four. Uh, and then I've got David Bentley, Jerry Barton, Alan Thompson, and Seth Johnson in the middle with Jeffers and Nugent up front. Because they both have a hundred percent goal scoring record. That's pretty good. In their first game um, against my team, they will both score <laughs> more than likely. So there we go. Uh, happy days. That is the end of the worst team from the noughties. Um, Let's now move on to our first regular feature. Let's have a look through the Keown hole. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're talking about your Burkamps and your Omri's and your Vieiras and all these guys, they give you everything in the game, both sides of the game. They put their foot in and they can play. So this is the section in which we choose a player each week and we think they were far too good to play for that team. How on earth did they end up there? And they should be at Madrid or Barcelona or whatever else. But they might have ended up at Wickham Wanderers or somewhere else just as bad. Um, so Harry Hansworth, would you, would you like to go first? Yeah, OK, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so... Yeah, it's exactly that. I've gone with a player that was at a team, John Venortes, who is way too good for. And then he actually did end up at a team that he was good enough for. So we're just going to talk a little bit about him until he gets to that point. And that is, of course, Antonio Valencia. Obviously started his uh, career in his home country of Ecuador at Al Nacional. And uh, after 84 appearances and 12 goals... Uh, for the team, he caught the eye of a few of the big Spanish clubs, finally settling with Villarreal. Uh, yeah, with Villarreal. It would have been incredible if he signed for Valencia, but it was it was never to be. Um, so, yeah, at, well, he's out for the Real. He couldn't quite break into the first team, so he was loaned out to second division side Recortivo, and he helped them gain promotion. Uh, and uh, he still... Uh, Villarreal were looking to loan him out again and Premier League side Wigan come in. So Wigan, in 2006, signed Valencia on a year-long loan. In his first season, he shows the world just how good he can be. And uh, for some crazy reason, Valencia allow Wigan to extend the loan. So they extend the loan and he has another amazing half-season with them. And before the, the loan has a chance to run out they quickly take up an option to buy him outright for about five million pound. And obviously, uh, while he was at um, while he was at Wigan the second time, he made another ninety-four appearances. Obviously, the rest of it became very obvious what an explosive and impactful player he could be. The British media started to realise that he he was wasn't long for one of the lowlier teams and a lot of the bigger teams started looking at him and obviously he signed for Manchester United and went on to have a 10, almost a 10 year career at Manchester United. Um, so I just felt like he's the perfect example almost of someone too good for, for a team that then actually gets the benefit of, uh, you know, someone recognising that and that person being Sir Alex and giving him a wonderful career afterwards. Yeah, he was definitely the, um, the diamond in the rough at that Wigan side, although that Wigan side, you know, had Leighton Baines, Bullard, Stefan Henshaws, yeah. um, you know, had, 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 and like Charles and Dogbia on every wing. In Dogbia and Valencia on either side of the wing, um, yeah. was a force to be reckoned with. And then you had uh, Jason Roberts up top. Um, it was a good side. I really enjoyed watching them play. And, you know, yeah, I have fond memories of Valencia at, at United. And then he kind of petered out towards the end when he decided to bulk up, but he just wasn't as good. But, um, yeah, fond of memories, fond, fond memories. Very good. Good option. Good option. Um, time for my my guy, I guess. Yep. So we keep talking about Middlesbrough. And we're talking about them again this week because uh, the cult hero team had a team full of cult heroes. And this one we haven't actually given too much of a mention to before. And there are many players who play for Middlesbrough who aren't going to be too good for that club. Um, but this, this week we have gone for a certain Brazilian player. Now, mainly... More, most people remember one particular Brazilian in Juninho, 
who over two spells in the Northeast won the hearts of the nation. But another often forgotten about Brazilian player also graced the turf at the Riverside, helping them to a UEFA Cup final in 2006. I am talking about Fabio Rockenbach. He was integral in the overcoming of the 4-0 drummings that um, saw Middlesbrough lose 4-0 in back-to-back legs in the uh, quarterfinal and semifinal. And he managed to win round the crowd and win round the team in outstanding performances, overcoming those 4-0 deficits to reach the final, in which, of course, they did actually lose to Seville 4-0 in the end. But an impressive achievement in itself for Middlesbrough to get that far in thanks to him in a lot of, uh, a lot of the time. Uh, he was also in the final the year before when he was playing for Sporting Lisbon. Uh, rocking back as a player, he was skill- he's a skillful playmaker where things didn't go too well for him at Barcelona, where he was before, um, but he was still a hero in Brazil. Uh, not many people have transferred from Barcelona to Middlesbrough. I think he still has that record of being the only person to do so. And he was certainly a good player. He was a free-kick specialist, and for Bora, he kind of introduced a bit of flair into uh, Stephen Clarence sometimes quite boring side. Uh, he would be a consistent player for Borough, uh, Sporting Lisbon and later Gremio back in his native Brazil. Um, and interestingly, he also makes the Marlon King Academy for degenerates uh, because he was uh, arrested for training and partaking in cockfighting. <laughs> That's the best one, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so you could, so some might call him uh, Fabio Cockenbach, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, apparently he was like he led like an underground ring of like uh, cockfighting in, uh, in Wait, Brazil. In Brazil, okay, okay. Yeah, not in Middlesbrough. If that was in Middlesbrough, that would have been incredible, wouldn't it? I mean, the times I. Him and Mark uh, Viduka. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine Viduka's into cockfighting. Viduka. <laughs> That's probably the name oh. of the chicken. That's probably the cock's Viduk. name. Viduka. Come on, Viduka. Yes. <laughs> against Big Yakubu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, incredible. I mean, but, yeah, I, I did. I remember watching Rocket Back play for Middlesbrough and thinking, yeah, he, he, he definitely stood out among, amongst um, the rest of the players there at the time. Although they did have a squad full of players who were arguably too good for that team. But as a collective, you know, he definitely um, uh, made the eyes kind of direct and go in his direction, I guess. That was through the Keown hole, but it's time now for everybody's favourite feature as we induct two more members into the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. For those of you new, welcome. Uh, this is the section in which we take a look at the footballer and we think, oh, I could do better than that. How did on earth <laughs> that person get a professional contract? Um, and we've inducted, obviously, Robbie Savage was the key marker, and Eric Jimmer-Jember, Cleverson, James Beatty made it last week, and uh, yeah, a few others as well. But this week, we've got some belters. Oh, I think I've got a belter anyway. So we've alluded to this player before on a couple of occasions. I've actually seen him score in the flesh um, and he only ever scored four goals for Manchester United and was oddly purchased by Sir Alex Ferguson after scoring just one goal in 20 games for Sutherland. It is, of course, David Bellion. The flop. The flop. (laughs) Um, 
interesting how he played 20 times to Sunderland, scored once, and Sir Alex thought, well, get him. Only ever scored four <laughs> goals for Manchester United. And he was offered a new contract by Sunderland, but for some reason, as they were relegated, uh, United were actually pay £3 billion for his services. He would spend three years in Manchester and only pick up the community shield, despite the club being quite successful at this time. He never made enough appearances to win any other trophies, only just the community shield. He would spend... Uh, oh, he only scored four goals, as I alluded to. I was actually at one of those matches against Tottenham. Uh, he then spent some time on loan at West Ham and failed to score at all. Um, he would have more luck when he moved to Nice. He scored five goals in about 20-odd appearances, which would seal a permanent move there in 2006. In the one season he was in Nice, he scored seven in 30 appearances, which isn't great, but it's an improvement on four goals. Um, and that was a good enough to get him a move to Bordeaux. Um and this is when Bordeaux actually had a quite an impressive team. In fact, they actually won the, the uh, Ligue 1 in 2009, uh, ending the seven-year reign of Lyon, who'd won seven titles in a row. Um, and he was obviously brought in as a striker, third-choice striker, between, uh, behind Marouane Chamac. don't know if you remember him, um, but he's also another contender for the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame in the future, perhaps. Sure. Um, but he played behind Chamac and Kavanagi. Um, and he spent seven years at Bordeaux, so he was there for a long time. And he made over 120 appearances, but still only scored 20 goals, so a pretty crap record. Um, though he was there during the time that they won the league in 2009, he then retired with Red Star uh, in France. He played in the third tier, so he went from winning the league to the third tier of French football, uh, which is just fucking bizarre. Um, and then, yeah, he finished his career only having scored 45 goals. So if you think Michael Ricketts and Darius Vassell had a terrible career for striking ratios, his was uh, unfathomably bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, he definitely deserves to be in the Rob Savage Hall of Fame. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Who have you got for us this week, Harry? Well, as a, as he's been hey, spoken about quite a bit today. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If you say Ledley King... I'm going to drive to Portsmouth <laughs> and punch you in the face. Uh, no, as I, I, I said earlier, I actually really like Lebby King. Um, no, I've gone for fellow England international, oh, Michael no. Ricketts. Oh, you have? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as, as you sort of said earlier, he played 349 games in his career, scored 78 goals. That was for 11 clubs in 14 years. And as you alluded to earlier, he also got one arrest and one conviction. Um, <laughs> I like how you said that as if that was like a, a stat, like on his, on his uh, Premier, Premier League record. Four goals, three assists, one arrest, one conviction. It should be. It should, 30, <laughs> 30, 32 appearances in jail. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he started his career of Walsall. He made 76 appearances and scores uh, 14 times. And for some reason... That led to Bolton Wanderers decide, deciding to part with £400,000 for his services. Really? And uh, it looks like it was money well spent for them at the beginning as he scores 24 times in the league. Uh, fires Bolton into the Premier by uh, scoring the winning goal in the playoffs. He then uh, gets on with life in the Premier League rather well. Scores 15 goals by February. And uh, he gets his England call-up there. Unfortunately, after the England call-up, he doesn't score for Bolton ever again. So it's almost like 
his career peaks and he whatever reason he could never quite recapture mm. that form. So so some sort of higher being took away his powers, like in space jump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was like like Mike, he had like Michael Jordan's basketball shoes and once he <laughs> lost them, that was it. Um <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in January two thousand and three, none other than the wonderful team of Middlesbrough decide to come in for uh, Michael Ricketts. They spend three and a half million pound oh, on yeah. their new man. Uh, he doesn't find his early Bolton form, but he does win for 2003-2004 League Cup with Middlesbrough against Bolton. So a little bit of victory for him there. However, Middlesbrough realised they need to... Uh, get rid of a dead weight and in June 2004 newly relegated championship side of Leeds decides he's the man who's going to fire them back into the Premier League just like he did Bolton so after 25 games he still hasn't scored a goal for Leeds I think they start to realise he isn't the man they thought he was so they place him on the loan list First, he goes to Stoke. He fails to impress after uh, after a few goal after a few games, and they, they send him back to Leeds. He makes five more appearances for Leeds and scores in the League Cup, um, but they still aren't happy with him. So they send him out on loan again to Cardiff, where he plays eleven times and scores four goals. They then send him back to Leeds. They then send him straight back out on loan this time to Burnley, where he plays in 13 games and scores twice. From there, he joins Southend United. And after a couple of months, Southend cancel his two-year contract. Uh, they they say it's due to weight concerns. They say he turn up overweight and then he's continued to put weight on and they're not happy about his fitness. But Preston North End, like, ah, we're have a go. It's Ricketts. He's, he's got an England cap. So he turns up Preston North End, plays 14 games and scores once. They terminate his contract. They claim about his, his fitness. They say his fitness level just isn't good enough. Um, so he literally goes from scoring from, for them in March of 2007 and being released by them in May of 2007. Oldham then signed Ricketts on a three-year deal. After nine games and two goals, they loan him out. Uh, and he goes back to his first ever team of Warsaw. There, he makes a further 12 appearances and scores three goals. The loan expires and Oldham cancel his contract. So Warsaw at this point go, OK, if he's free, we're, we're signing Ricketts. Why not? Um, so they, they bring him back for a third spell with the club and he appears 28 times, scoring nine times. And at the end of the season, Walsall release him from his contract. So for the next uh, season, he signs a one-year deal with Tranmere Rovers. He plays 12 games and scores twice. But in January of 2010, they cancel his contract, but this time by mutual consent. Um and that brings a close to his Robbie Savage Hall of Fame worthy career. Bloody hell. But as you mentioned earlier, just a year after being out of a, 
our football. He hits for headlines once again, and uh, where he pleads guilty uh, on, of, of uh, assault onto his uh, ex-girlfriend, and uh, he's convicted, and he gets something like two hundred hours of community service, and he has to pay like a two hundred pound fine. Huh. That's it. Yeah, after headbutting his yeah, his girlfriend. Me, yeah, that's, what, that's what an England cap does to you. It gives you get out of jail free card, apparently. That's oh, why Sven was passing them around. Yeah, Marlon yeah, King the, really wanted one. Yeah, the, the Marlon King Academy for Degenerates, Michael Ricketts, gets in. Bloody hell, he, he was released more times than a bloody carrier pigeon. Was, Almost uh, as much as uh, Roy Carroll, but not quite. Yeah, <laughs> he's up there, isn't he? Yeah, bloody hell. <laughs> what a, what a, I feel a bit sorry for him. Like, he obviously. Had a decent spell with Bolton, but yeah, he never materialised into anything more than that. Yeah. But it's time now for deal or no deal. This is the transfer quiz. Well, Harry's going to give me five transfers. I'm going to give him five transfers, but are they true? Are they false? Are they a deal or are they a no deal? Would you like to go first and give you my transfers, Mr. Harry Hansford? Yes. So I thought I'd try and stick with uh, England's worst players as much as I could. So I wanted to know, did Francis Jeffers leave Blackburn Rovers for Ipswich in 2007? Blackburn Rovers for Ipswich? I think he did play for Ipswich. Um, Deal. It's no deal. He actually went to Sheffield Wednesday first. Ah, fuck it. But he does go to Ipswich later in, in his career. Um, okay. Well, good start. Chris Kirkland. Does he go from Liverpool to Wigan in 2006? Deal. It is correct. Well done. Take it. Dean Ashton. Does he leave Stoke for Norwich in 2005? Stoke. I don't know. I have a feeling he was at Norwich for quite a while and then moved to West Ham. Oh, no deal. You're correct. He he started out at Crew Alexandria, not Stoke. Oh, right. And went to Norwich and then from Norwich to West Ham. Well done. So that's correct. And then I've got here for you, Paul Koncheski, did he leave Charlton for Fulham in 2005? Think it is deal. It's no deal. He oh. actually went to West Ham and then from so West Ham. He scored that. To, to uh, scored that cross in the 2006 final, didn't he? FA Cup final. And then lastly, for you, did Michael Ball leave Everton for Rangers all the way back in 2001? Deal. Correct. So it's three out of five this week. Oh, not good. I mean, they're hard, man. They're, Not good. They're all terrible, terrible players that somehow got caps for England. But to remember that, you know, that, that some of them even played for the teams they did, it's pretty hard. Yeah, it's true. I've been slightly easier on you. Let's, let's be honest. In this <laughs> case, um, I've just got a random bag selection of Premier League players. First up is Darren Anderton. Okay. Did, he leave, did he leave Tottenham Hotspur for Birmingham City? On a free. Ooh. Quality player. Club legend for Tottenham Hotspur. Wonderful player. Club legend for 
Portsmouth. Um, did. Yeah. Okay. Deal. Correct. He did lead to Birmingham City on free. Um, he was at Spurs for over 10 years and he was promised a testimonial, but he never got it. He was mugged off. Just in, he was injury prone for Tottenham, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve said, well, did he move from Chelsea to Aston Villa for £5 million? Ooh, Aston Villa. Ran into Chelsea. Uh, Dill? Correct again. Two for two. Number three, Lucas Neal. Did he move hey. from Everton to Galatasaray for 4.3 million? I haven't got a clue for this one. I'm just going to say no deal. Just guess. Incorrect. It was a deal. Oh. Um, so obviously, Lucas Neal, the Australian defender, he was coerced into going to Galatasaray by Harry Kuehl, who was there at the time. Number four, Dirk Count. Yep. Joined, joined Liverpool, but did yeah. he join Liverpool from Ajax for 15.7 million? Deal? No deal. Oh. He moved from Feyenoord. Feyenoord. Oh. Feyenoord to Liverpool. Um, he's got the record in Dutch football. He made 179 appearances in a row without missing a game for final. Oh, wow. Which is pretty nuts. Incredible. So we're actually level on free all, so you need to get this one right. Rafael van der Vaart. Did he move from Ajax to Real Madrid? Deal or no deal? 13 million euros. Oh, it did go to Madrid. <laughs> But was it directly from? Oh. I'm I'm, I'm going to say deal. You need this to draw free all of me, and somehow I've won because it's a no deal. <laughs> what? He moved from he went from Ajax to Hamburg and then from Hamburg yeah. to uh, to uh, Real Madrid. Bloody hell! How did I win that? Good ball for Roberto Carlos. Hooked into the penalty area towards Zidane. Oh, fantastic! But it's time now for the finale and the quiz of the uh, podcast. It, it is, of course, starting 11. A game in which we choose a famous game from the noughties between the uh, years 2000 and 2010. And we challenge one another to remember the starting lineup all within a three minute time period. So, Harry, I've got a game for you. Are you ready? Yep. You hate this game, yes. don't you? But uh, <laughs> three minutes on the clock. There's no, you know, you've already lost the transfer game, so you can do nothing but good. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can do nothing but good now. <laughs> so, sticking with an international theme, I've decided to go with probably the most recent game I probably could, which is the 20, 2010 World Cup last 16 game, England against Germany, in which Lampard... Lampard's goal didn't go in. And I want you to name the Germany squad. No, I'm joking. Um, I want you to name the England squad, obviously. Uh, World Cup 2010. Hugh started against Germany in the game we lost right. out. I think you'd do better on this one than, than other yeah, games I could, have, I could have given you. 
So, uh, I hope so. Uh, what formation? It's a standard 4 4 2 formation. Three. All right. Yeah. Two. One. Go. Three minutes. So, land pass straight away. <laughs> uh, yep. Gerard. Yep. Beckham. No. Okay. Uh, is it James and go? It is. Terry? Yes. Ferdinand? No. Injured. Uh, Ashko? Yes. Um, Neville? No. Oh, no. You should know one of the right backs. Glenn Johnson? Yes. Uh, Rooney? Yep. Uh, Crouch? On the bench. Defoe. Yes. How did you get that? Okay, so I've got for wingers and centre back. Uh, so no Beckham. Uh, Straight down then. Nope. <laughs> How incredible would it have been if it was? Bedley King. <laughs> On the bench. <laughs> oh, of course he was. <laughs> um, who scored the goal for England? Oh, mate. As if I remember who scored a goal in 2010. So it's a famous game. Yeah, I know, but... You know, pressure. Bo- Bentley. Half time. Um, <laughs> Bentley didn't make it to the World Cup. <laughs> Lennon. Um, Bench. Do you, do you yeah. want a massive clue? Yeah. England didn't play any wingers. Skulls? <laughs> He's retired at this point. Yeah, like um, 2003. <laughs> um, didn't play any wingers, so he was playing... Oh, we played. Oh, it's either we didn't have any wingers, or we played centre midfielders as wingers. So I'm looking for two more centre mids and uh, a defender. Two more centre mids. God's sake. Uh... We're going to name a bunch of them, aren't we? It's going to be so embarrassing. Um... 2010. Who's who's knocking about 2010? Doing well in the prem. Half Grease. No. Uh, Carrick. Good shout. On the bench. Uh, uh, he's not going to foul 2010. Oh, God, man. R- record um, appearance holder in Premier League. Right. That's just frightening. Uh, 10 seconds. Oh, mate. We sent it back as well, isn't it? Uh, Campbell. No. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. It's over. It's over. How did you get on at home? How did you get on at home? Well, to be fair, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You got eight out of 11. That's not too bad. I, I take that. That's a good average. The two midfielders you are missing... Were James Milner. Oh. Yeah. And record appearance holder in the Premier League for an outfield player, Gareth Barry. Oh. Yeah. And the goal scorer and last defender was Matthew Upson. Matthew Upson, God's sake. Did mention him earlier on. I found it weird how we weren't playing any wingers, considering on the bench we had Joe Cole, Sean White Phillips, and Aaron Lennon. 
Yeah. That's, I found that a bit weird. No wonder we lost. There we go. Fabio Capello. Don't know what you're doing, mate. Don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. There we go. Not too bad. So what have you got for me? All right. So... <laughs> oh, I feel laughing? really evil. I feel really evil for this. Why are you laughing? I thought we spoke about it a lot earlier. So I thought we'd go for the uh, famous 3-1 loss to the Socceroos. But I was going to let you choose um, what half you were going to pick <laughs> your 11 from. Oh, was... no. Or just, just be like, technically there's 22 players, so I'll let you name. Or, you know, I'd pick them from both. If they started in either half, I'd say I'd count it. What do you think? Uh, I'd see how many of the 22 I can get. And yeah. then if I manage to get more than eight from one, either or starting 11, then I'd beat you. Okay. All right. But I'm going to request you add on an extra minute. Yep. If you, if you think that's fair. Yep. So four minutes, good to me. 22 players. Go. David James. Yep. Uh, John Terry. Ashley Cole. Um, yeah. Okay, so James Cole. Terry. No Terry. Ferdinand. Ferdinand, yep. Campbell. Yeah. Is that Knight? No. Oh, was, no, he was not on his debut then? Uh, Matthew Upson. Luke Young. No, Upson, no Young. Gerard Lampard. Jonathan Woodgate. Alright, so. Gerard. No, Lampard, yes. Woodgate, uh, yes. Carragher? Jimmy Carragher? Or maybe not Woodgate. Carragher actually isn't here, no. Lily King. Yes. Yes. Joe Cole. Sean White Phillips. Cole. Heskey. Heskey. No. Crouch. No Heskey, no Cole, Crouch. no White Phillips. Crouch. Uh, crouch. No Crouch. Uh, Rob Green. Um, what year was it again? So it's 2003. So, Gerard Lampard said, uh, Chris Powell, was that the game he played? No. What's the Skulls. Trevor Sinclair. I know he was not going to out around then. Carlton Cole, David Nugent, Michael Ricketts. <laughs> No, uh, the other striker, your favourite one. Oh, Vassell, Darius Vassell. Yeah. Um, let's see what it is. Jerry Barton. Uh, Not Barton. Um, Beckham. Rooney was playing, wasn't he? That was his, that was his debut. Yeah. Um, Alan Smith, James Beattie. Uh, Alan Thompson. Um, who else? Who else? Uh, Ugo, 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 Ugo Ekio. Gavin McCann. <laughs> um, Francis Jeffers. He's called the Golden yeah. Um 
Saul Campbell, Jonathan Woodgate. I've said him. Michael, Michael Owen. Michael Owen. Yeah, Owen. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Redknapp. No. Midfielders. James right, Milner. One, two, Sean Wright Phillips. Seds. You've got 13 so far, so done Stuart, right. Stuart Downing. No Downing. Uh, uh, Phil Neville. Gary Neville. And All right, cool. Neville. Wes, Wes Brown. Wes Brown, yes. Carrick. I said Carrick. Tom Huddleston. Is he there? Not yet. Alright, so that, that's, that's the time. Oh. I'll tell you how many you got, really. So we got, you said David James, Ashley Cole, Ferdinand Campbell, Lampard, King. Uh, you said Joe Cole. I'll put it down, but maybe I've just read Ashley Cole again. Okay, so not Cole. Skulls, Vassell, Beckham, Rooney, BT, Jeffers, Owen, Neville, and Brown. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 out of the 22 really? players. I'll take yeah. that. That's very good. Do you want to so just run through the 22 for you quickly? Yeah, go for it. So the first half was quite a strong side. David James, Gary Neville, Ashley Cole, Frank Lampard, Rhea Ferdinand, Sol Campbell, David Beckham, Paul Scholes, BT, Owen, and Kieran Dyer. Oh, so wait. that team should never have been 2 0 down to Australia at half time. Definitely so not. I can understand wanting to change the team at half time, but this is the team you change it to. Paul Robertson, Danny Mills, Paul Koncheski, Danny Murphy, Wes Brown, Ledley King, Owen Halfgreaves, Jermaine's Genus, Francis Jeffers. Wayne Rooney and Darius Vassell. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, Genius and Murphy, I was never getting. The three up front of Jeffers, Rooney and Vassell. What what a trio. Mental. Absolutely mental. That is even a possibility. But I'll take that. <laughs> 15 out of 22. Genius, of course. Do you mean Genius? Genius, Christ. He was lucky to get a call up. I never rated him. One of those players that, because he's because uh, where he played, you you know, in a few moments looking good there, you sort of make your way into public mind, don't you? True, very, true, very true. But that is it for uh, this episode of the worst ever England 11. Who do you think never should have got a call up in the noughties? Let us know on Twitter at Team of Our Lives or on Instagram, ultimate11.football. Or even if you've got your own Robbie Savage Hall of Fame inductee to put into, please send them in. But until next time, it's goodbye from him and it's goodbye from me. <laughs> Sayonara. Team. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.